What's up, folks? This is a fun episode I did with my buddy, Louis Sheedy. Uh, all of our West Coasters know him through the Outlaw Tour and everything else, and everyone's kind of seen uh, what he's been up to this year with a really epic weight loss journey. I wanted to do a little podcast with him and pick his brain for a minute and uh, see how everything kind of unfolded for him. It's pretty cool for me seeing people go through something like that and uh he's doing it with his wife as well so it's pretty cool um we just kind of talk about how that relates a little bit back to his hunting and archery and um it's just a fun bullshit session we had i enjoyed it and uh i hope you guys do too thanks all right louie we're going man so, dude, now now you really are speedy sheedy, right? Working on you've it. Been, you've been running all over the place. <laughs> yeah, just uh, been working on that part. Yeah, I have, so how do you like getting into running? Because I'm just, I'm just into it now, like the last, I don't know, last four or five months. I've gotten to enjoy it, which is weird to say. Like, I never would have expected to. And my wife's been doing it, and like she signed, made me do a 5K with her a while back, and I enjoyed it. And then she signed up for a, a 10K, which is in like three weeks. I don't know if I'll be ready for that, Ooh. but uh, we'll we'll see. Oh, I think you will for sure. I, I see some of the times you're posting too on the 5Ks that because you've been just running. You just ran a 5K the other day just at home, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think even. Last night was more like just barely over three miles, which, yeah. I mean, I could have kept going, but just where it stopped, I and mean, there's a loop around our house that, around the block that is almost perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. I found I found something like that out here where I'm working out of town. I found a street that if I get exactly to that street, it's it's the halfway point on a 5K. Yeah, that, so, that we did that. I found one, marched it off in the car the other day, but we were going the other day and a dog started chasing us. So I went a different route last night. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, well, that'll that'll get your cardio up, get your mile time a little faster, huh? Yeah, you'll have a <laughs> short burst of energy. <laughs> That's great, man. So, uh, well, I guess let's – I, I want to jump in in the beginning here with um, – We'll, we'll get into some archery stuff here, but I want to talk about your weight loss journey, man, because it's pretty awesome. And all of us, all the guys who listen to this, who are probably mostly outlaw guys and some of our friends that we all are connected with, um, dude, we've all been seeing it and it's, it's amazing. You've been kicking ass, man. So well, thank you. <laughs> where, how, how and when did this all start? I think it started last year. A buddy of mine invited me to go hunting with him in Wyoming. And just as it got closer, because we left for Labor Day last year. And as it got close to that, I'm like, well, I should probably, you know, we're going to be hunting. It's higher altitude. It's like I should probably try something. And so we're fortunate live just a few miles away from 
Table Rock, which is just, I think it's like a county maintained trail head type, you know, just a deal. I think there's two of them. One of them's, I think, a mile and a quarter, and the other one's almost a mile and a half. Okay. <clears throat> I just started hiking those, and uh, like the first time I went, like, couldn't even get to the top without stopping, just like brutal. And then just start being able to go all the way up, and then you just kind of try to make yourself go faster. And I just started going probably five or six days a week. Wow. And then we went to Wyoming and, you know, hunted fairly hard, nothing crazy, but it was, you know, five, six, seven miles a day. Hmm. And then when I got home, I just didn't stop. Isn't that awesome to get addicted like that? Oh, yeah, because that was a big part to eating better. Like, you know, yeah, I never ate breakfast before. We I worked 6 to 3 Monday through Friday. So okay. I just wake up and go to work, and we take our break at 9.30. I'd go down to the store, get biscuits and gravy and a monster. And I was <laughs> probably would do that three or four days a week minimum. And wow. I don't think I've been to that store in a year. Really? That's, you know, for me, for, for being in construction, that's one of the hardest things to kick is, uh, you know, before I started working out and stuff, my biggest issue was energy drinks and all that. Oh, yeah. And, it's easy to drink two or three of them a day. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. I, I got <clears throat> to the point where they did nothing for me. It, I literally just craved the taste so bad I had to have a couple of them a day. Oh, yeah. Every day I'd go down there and get something like that and then it's a financial burden for sure when you start looking at everything you i mean it's really not that hard to spend 20 bucks a day if you go out two or three times buy those hit the coffee stand on the way home or i mean you can spend 20 or 30 dollars a day Mm -hmm. real fast yeah 100 bucks a week just like that oh yeah and then it's like that's when Stopped going pretty much out in general for eating, and I just went to drinking pretty much uh, nothing but water. I drink a lot of them sparkling water things. It was kind of an acquired taste at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I still drink just coffee, but what do you call it? Just throw some half and half in there. No sugar, no fancy creamer. Yeah. And That's... the hardest thing for me, I think, was to kick soda because oh. I worked at Pepsi for 11 years and didn't pay for soda. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so that was, I think I've drank maybe three sodas in the last year. No shit. Oh Once God, I man. stopped drinking it, it was, it's easy to, they don't even taste good to me anymore, but. Really? It was hard in the beginning. Like I said, there's a fountain in the office. I mean, you could drink whatever you want, whenever you want. So it's just oh. free for all soda. Oh my God, dude, that, that was one of the hardest things for me too. And I'm still, I, I'm nowhere near you on that. Like I'll still get myself a soda, you know, at least on the weekends, I don't worry about it so much because I eat so clean during the week now. But that was like growing up, dude. That was 
that was the thing with my dad. You know, we, we worked on the ranch and it's 110 degrees. You sweat your ass off. We go take a lunch break and go to 7-Eleven and buy big gulps, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for when I grew up, there was always soda in the fridge. And then in high school, it was it was nothing to drink two or three 44 ounces a day. And then I went on the drove truck for a little while. Lady mm-hmm. gave us a job. I used to drive to L.A. from Medford, which is, Oof. I think it's like a 13, 14 hour drive. Shit. And we would do that two or three times a week. And it was nothing but soda in there. And then I went from there to Pepsi. It was a pretty much a lifelong deal for me. God dang. So what what difference did you start feeling? But even before all the working out, like you had to have felt some crazy differences with your body, just the way you get around all day, right? Just cutting oh, yeah, the soda. Just, oh yeah, you just all of a sudden you're you don't hit snooze 27 times it's easier to wake up then you start and i've probably drank i drink almost a gallon of water a day now and i've done that for quite a while yeah and so like you just feel way different and then i really noticed that this summer as it got hot that i wasn't nearly as hot didn't feel so miserable like i have always have Mm. Did uh did you have issues with cutting out all the caffeine that you were getting from soda and energy drinks? Because that was a hard thing for me too. Is uh, I didn't realize how much caffeine I was actually getting from two monsters a day, and when I like went cold turkey, dude, I was getting headaches all the time. I didn't notice that, but it's still like I went to drinking a lot of coffee. Oh, like, okay, yeah. The, like I'll wake up and I'll drink probably half to three quarters of a pot of coffee (laughs) and then there's a dutch brothers like literally across the street from my work and so i still go there a lot but it just do them you know americanos with cream so it's just pretty much fancy black coffee with a splash of cream yeah and so i still get probably more caffeine than i should but so i never noticed any of that yeah, but us us guys who start work at six AM, we need that shit. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta yeah, you gotta get up at, you know, four thirty, four forty five. That's usually when and trying to eat some breakfast I, I think helps me not be so hungry at because we usually take a break at nine thirty and that's when we eat and then I'll usually eat a snack at noon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going from whenever you go to bed to nine o'clock the next day then i just would eat way too much oh yeah i get you did uh so so what uh what'd you go for on the route of diet did you go for something specific out like specific diets out there or did you just just clean everything up we pretty much just yeah we just my wife is great because she doesn't really like all that junk stuff and doesn't like eating out and never been a big soda fan so that for us to do it together makes it way easier somebody's not buying something the other one doesn't need has worked good but uh yeah we didn't it was just about cleaning things up like there was no real diet plan there was no real structure it was just i'm not gonna we're not gonna buy crap we're not gonna cook crap we're not gonna do that so it was mostly just yeah, no real diet. Hmm. So what? Uh, 
what are the numbers? What, when you, from where you started to now, what have you lost so far pounds? It's gotta be probably, I didn't see, I didn't weigh myself until after I had been eating good for probably close to a month. Okay. And so the first time I weighed myself, I think I was like 278, 279. So I was probably every bit of 285, 290. And then this morning I was 208. Dude, <laughs> that is so damn cool, man. God, it's just got to feel like everything's just feels completely different, right? Like, oh, yeah. And you go from wearing, like, I think I was wearing 38 pants and now I wear like a 32, 33. And then wearing a 2X shirt that probably was stretched out and now i can buy most things as a large so it's like your entire wardrobe just gets thrown right out the window i was gonna say it's a good thing you save that 20 bucks a day on food and monsters right because now you you gotta buy new clothes all the time oh yeah you get some new camo (laughs) oh that's right that gets expensive fast oh yeah was uh was that hunt um was that one of the first hunts when we started losing weight to prepare for that? Was that like one of the first times you were knew you were going to start working really hard and hiking a lot on a hunt? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, we live in around here. A lot of times went from rifle hunting and mostly just screwed off. And then even when we bow hunted, a lot of times we just road hunted or little mm-hmm. tiny walks back to the truck and drive over here. And it's like definitely we're not working hard hunting and then we'd go in there like you said that's probably the first time we were like this is gonna be proper hunting mm. and that was the most fun i'd had and then late season last year i seen i had way more encounters seen way more game just i mean we hunted some steep stuff but nothing like too crazy but you just and it was just easy things I would have never done before. People I'd hunted with in the past, like I'm not going down there. I'm like, well, heck, if you're not going, I'm not going. Now it's like, well, I'll just go. Yeah, that's amazing. It just it, it opens up something so different as far as hunting goes. You know, oh, yeah. I was I wasn't. Uh, I've I think I've always said for me. I, you know, I started really getting into fitness and I didn't, I wasn't excessively overweight, but for me, my heaviest was like 215, I think. And the reason I bitch about it is because it was less all, it was all in my gut and like my love handles. And it was just, I I would sit down and lose my breath tying my shoes Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, all right, this is definitely got to change. And then I went out on a bear hunt and just, you know, toughed through it and got a bear, but it, you know, it kicked my ass. Just the whole process just, just destroyed me, man. And I was like, I, I gotta be fit. I can't do this again. I gotta be ready for this kind of stuff. Yeah. It was, that was definitely like you said, opens up so much, makes hunting way more enjoyable to just be able to go. And like last year with places we went, 
I'd never gone before. Always thought it'd be a neat idea, but knew that it just wasn't a good idea. And then we seen, I went in there probably six times and I was under a hundred yards from a quality mature buck every single time. Just with a bow, that's not enough. Yeah. Just being, having the opportunity made every bit of it worth it. Right. And just to, to see so it, great. it's like you and one guy, was, I usually only hunt with one person, never more than two. Mm-hmm. And just go in there, just a couple of us and always an encounter. And never once seen a person in there. <laughs> uh, it's a, that's a cool feeling, man. And especially even if it's just in an encounter, even if you leave without packing a deer out man it just it feels so good knowing you were somewhere that not a lot of people have seen yeah it's it's just something cool about that no i agree well so what's on the docket this year for hunting season man while we're on it'll be fairly quiet just standard general stuff for us we have a our general archery elk starts here at the end of the month and then the our deer season opens in but where we live down here in southern oregon we have a late season blacktail which you get to hunt them in the rut in late november early december mm-hmm. and that so that's usually where i concentrate is for some reason that them big black tails drive me crazy yeah that's what you were telling me before <laughs> I mean, elk hunting's fun, and if you can get a bull to scream at you, that's getting big ones close to big elks, you know, right there. Yeah. But for us, the numbers, it's super hard if you're not, if you don't have somewhere almost private, like elk hunting can be pretty tough in this area. Yeah. You're in Southern Oregon, you said? Yeah. Like people, I know people that get it done all the time, but the, definitely the odds are not in your favor, but they never really are. Yeah. But it's not going to, well, it won't stop us from trying, but it'll, we definitely have fun and we're usually pretty busy at work about this time of year. So sometimes it's hard to, to get some time off, especially the guy that's become one of my good hunt partners. He's also my boss, and so then it's extra hard for us both to be gone. Uh, now, I was going to ask you, too, what what do you do for work? Doing, uh, well, it's kind of like, fab, you know, we do a full fab shop, but the oh, guys okay. in the back usually build everything, and then it comes up to the front shop, and we install it. So okay. not quite a fabricator, but some there's a lot of fab that goes in, a lot of cutting and splicing and moving and making things fit and we do a lot of service bodies and flatbeds and crane trucks and do a lot of government work on the west coast for most city trucks it seems like we do a ton of city government style trucks okay and see i love hearing from people too there's there i think so many of us who who do target archery you know, we all kind of want the same thing. Uh, we want that big win at, at a Vegas or a Reading or, or something like that. How how do you juggle the day job, 
trying to be good at archery and fitness. Because most people I talk to are, are just doing, you know, the day job and shooting their bow. Um, not, there's not a lot of people right now who are focusing on working out and getting good at archery. You seem to be doing both, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a definite struggle. That's when you add another time-consuming thing to your life and you're not yeah. willing to, you know, I don't want to get worse at archery. That's, you know, right. drives. So it's like, where do you, and then my wife's going back to school and we have two kids. So it, it's definitely a juggling act. A lot of times yeah. the, about this time of year, I just leave my target bow at the shop and I can, yeah. I can, the shop's probably, I don't know somewhere between five and 10 minutes away from my work. So I can run in and shoot depending on how things are going and who's in there and what's going on, like a half to a whole round of Vegas on my lunch break and then get back. So I can squeeze in a little bit of that kind of practice. And then when time allots me, I can go back after work or, or do that but yeah it's definitely a struggle especially this time of year yeah yeah god it's so hard you know i I do the same thing man i wish i could shoot on my lunch break that would be great (laughs) yeah if we had a like an air-conditioned place thing to leave my bow i could i could shoot at work right if i you know we could get away with that but I'd have to either leave it in my truck and I'm not doing that yeah. or in the shop, somebody run it over, do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's cool too is, and I didn't notice until you posted it the other day, your wife is doing this with you too. Oh yeah. So she's probably, I think she's right around 50 pounds down. Oh, wow, cool, man. See, that makes it, it makes it just a little bit easier with the time constraints when, when you guys can work out together, you know, cause yeah. it, it's like, it's, it's like, it's not, it's not jumping into all your family time too. You know, at least you guys get to spend time together. If it's yeah, it can become kind of part of it. Yeah. So yeah, we're like, you know, we have a pretty good place to run around the house. So, you know, in the evenings when she's not needs a break from studying, we can, you know, you crank out a half hour and go run around the block right so what what do you think what do you have you seen i mean we kind of talked about the difference you've seen in hunting what about in your target archery that part i don't know like i definitely know when things are right i feel like it's better because i'm not you know, I don't have, I guess, I'm less tired for sure. So I feel like, you know, I'm not going to get wore out at the end of the day. But I haven't seen a huge jump one way or the or decline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the potential is, is way, is going to be way more of a benefit probably next year. This year is like it went through all of it slowly. And then, yeah, just, yeah, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I definitely am happy about it, and that's going to 
going to be the best part is not being tired and being able to pack stuff around and not worry about that. But I haven't seen it help me tremendously yet. Hmm. So what's this? Now you won, you won something this year for state of Oregon. It's like a traveling trophy, right? Yes. Break that down for me. So I guess uh, it's actually sitting right here. I can try to, it's, it's pretty cool. I believe Alan Ruddick started it. Okay. And I don't know when he started it, but there's from 1952 to current, it has everybody that's won it. And it's from our state field, Oregon state field, the OBH tournament. Okay. And so everybody that wins it, they send it home with you and you have your name etched on it and you get to pack it around for a year and take it to the next shoot. And so like, there's some pretty impressive people <clears throat> that have, uh, had their name put on this thing. Ah, oh, how cool, man. <laughs> so it looks like you have, you know, Alan Ruddick obviously has been on here. There's a Greg Poole on here. Cape Johnson's on here. Ben English. You know, Mark Eves is on here a bunch. So Chris Roberts Olson, we all shoot with him. Mm-hmm. He won it, I think, three years in a row. Yeah. He won it, yeah, 15, 16, and 17. Chris always comes down uh, the week before Safari or before Reading, and shoots the Fresno Safari, the money oh, shoot yeah. I've been doing the last couple of years, and he always smokes it. <laughs> oh, the guy! You know, when he's on point, you can't touch him. No, no, he's a badass for sure. And he's almost always on point. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it suck shooting against those guys? Oh yeah, it makes it, it, it fun and. And crazy and annoying all at the same time. Right. It's just, again, it goes back to figuring out how much time do you have to etch out? Cause there's a, there's something legitimate about the guys who aren't working out because they say, well, no, I'd rather spend that extra hour. I've got shooting my bow. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. I think there could be a good balance between the two, man. I think I think it can definitely pay off. Yeah, I definitely am not willing to give up working out now that I've got into it. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a balance in there that is going to be hard to find, but will have to be found. Right. Well, so what's I. <laughs> How did you stay motivated with it? Because there's constantly a certain point somewhere where either there's a plateau or where where it's easy to tell yourself, like, ah, I've done enough work. I'm just going to sit at home today and eat a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hon- oh, definitely. I honestly have no idea where the motivation has come from or maintained Hmm. Are you just, setting just are you setting specific goals or that no, not really. I mean that's been kind of the funny part where we never even set goals. We just said we're gonna do things better than we've done before and just Yeah, like, I have no idea where the motivations <laughs> come from. It's kinda mind boggling to me and the people I've talked to. They're like, Well, what do you mean? Like you didn't set a goal, right? 
I mean, now there's certain things that I would like to do. Yeah. You know, it's like, I've probably never been under 200 pounds since I was literally in middle school. Oh, really? And so that would be neat. And, <laughs> or just, you know, in the future, be like, well, I used to weigh 100 pounds more than I do now. But we didn't, my wife and I, either one of us, never really set a goal that we're going to do this. Well, I mean, it sounds like you just got addicted, you know? Yeah, I think that just the only explanation is it did it out of needing to do it, and then it got fun. Uh, That makes sense. Yeah. Some, I mean, sometimes for people, that's all it takes is that it's, it's enjoyable. And then every now and then you walk by the mirror and you're like, yep, I'm going to keep doing this. Oh yeah. Cause in the beginning it was, you know, results came pretty good and pretty quick. Right. And then at some point they really, you hit a plateau, like, and so, and you never know how long it's going to take and it's hard to not get discouraged for sure. Yeah, but there's way more important things than what the scale says. I've learned that where I've almost been the same weight since March, but my clothes don't fit the same. You know, certain clothes don't fit at all anymore. Clothes that used to be tight don't, you know, you can't even wear them. They're so loose. Mm. <laughs> so, But the scale has stayed the same. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's it came Redding time. I had to buy some shorts to go shoot Redding. And I bought them because I had pretty much nothing that would fit as it got summertime and needed shorts. So we went, got a few pairs of shorts, warm and Redding, didn't need a belt, nothing. And I need a belt with them now, but. Literally weigh the same. Huh. Interesting. See, I don't even know how that shit works. It's. <laughs> yeah, it's. It is pretty goofy. Yeah. Um. Huh, what was I going to ask? I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going? Oh, see, I've had a long day, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, what is it? Few Two years ago, it was a year ago. Or no, it was two years ago. We went to do the Reading warm-up and like uh-huh. started shooting. And that was a big part of, I went to the doctor for like the first time in a long time. And it was like, I couldn't see. My vision was literally starting to go blurry. Really? And Oh, yeah. So I went to the doctor and the first thing you do is take your blood pressure. And they're like, whoa. You need some medicine like today. I don't remember the numbers, but it was stupid. It was like almost 170 over 100 and something. Like it was bad. And so then go take, you know, get on your medicine and then go back every day for a week to make sure you don't die. And that was probably the first sign of starting to need to do something different. But I was pretty stubborn with it for probably six to eight months where it's like, well, I took my medicine and now my, my blood pressure is fine. We'll just, well, I'm okay. 
Mm. And then, like, now, I haven't taken it in probably eight months to a year. Wow. Almost as soon as I started doing any sort of exercise, I haven't needed it. Really? And so was your, your blood pressure was messing with your vision too? Oh yeah. It was getting like, you know, start doing physical stuff, you know, walking the course and shooting. It's like it would raise. And then like my eyes would, I couldn't see my pin. Holy crap, man. That, that had to have been a huge moment then once, like once you, reflected on all that especially after you started seeing the difference just yeah. from changing your diet wow man it's crazy i just dude i just love what i've seen you know in these last couple of years man it's it's motivation for me for sure you know and i'm obviously doing completely different things and probably looking for something different but but man, there's something for me about like, you know, when I want to skip a day at the gym or I, I want to skip a run or something and I'm sitting on my ass and I scroll through Facebook and you got someone like you who just posted up your 5k you ran around your neighborhood. I'm like, shit, man. And then I see the, some of the pictures you posted and stuff. Did you ever just do like a straight before and after picture? No, not really. Just I just in my that one picture popped up on my Facebook thing, and that's what just kind of prompted me to do that because my wife and I had went up Table Rock, like started hiking it together a few times a week a year ago. Because that's just been the easiest thing for me to remember is that trip was so many last things I did or the beginning it's like i didn't have a date or i just like took a picture and said or marked on the calendar and said i'm going to do things different so it's like that mm. trip to wyoming has kind of been my start yeah and when that thing popped up i was just like holy crap because you don't really notice it in yourself right away or you know you are you so you don't notice subtle changes day to day but then you look back months later or a year and you're like that's a big difference. Yeah. And I think that's why it's such a big deal to everybody. You just showed up one day and I don't remember what shoot it was, but we're like, who's this guy? <laughs> I am probably when we go to Lodi, cause that'd be yeah. from most of you guys. I seen probably in Eugene and you know, what is that? Fourth of July weekend. And then you don't see anybody until you go to, Lodi in March. I didn't go to Vegas. Oh, you didn't? Nope. I've never shot Vegas. Are you going this year? I want to, but every year for the last three years, I said I'm going no matter what, and something catastrophic happens, and I don't go. So I'm not going to say that, but I want to (laughs) go. I figured you've been going for a while because I see all your – you shoot a bunch of Vegas rounds at your shop. Yeah, we have a local – yeah, I shoot a – a bunch of them here and then we have the a little vegas league we do around here we get depending on what's going on eight ten twelve people on thursday nights we shoot and then there's actually another archery shop down the road that does an unofficial 
<clears throat> Vegas. They open the shop on Wednesday night, and you pay five bucks, and you go shoot and hang out with a different group of people that we have there's no animosity between shops but people really don't shop jump when you have two shops in one valley mm, yeah Your people are usually pretty loyal so it's the opportunity to see different people shooting a different environment <coughs> support them you know five bucks ain't a lot of money but hopefully they make something on it right yeah man well yeah it's kind of it's kind of what our outlaw deal is too you know, we're all putting in towards the pot to keep something growing and keep it going. Oh, yeah. And then I try to shoot a few. We do that. I'm pretty sure, like, Chris does a lot of the legwork on that. Um, the Pacific Northwest shoot-up or whatever. It's every shop in the Northwest pretty much is a part of it. And you just go to those shops, and it's a for-money Vegas shoot. And oh, they, so and each yeah, they, shop hosts it. Yeah, hosts so like we get, day. yeah, so we get two of them in Medford, or one in Medford, and one in Grants Pass. So they, we get two of them, <clears throat> and then you know the Bowtech Factory does host two of them, I think, and then you know Bend has a couple in each of their shops. They pretty much anywhere and everywhere. A lot of the Washington stuff happens, and then if you shoot three of them. You can go to the finals, and then there's usually a bunch of people there, and then it's just head-to-head bracketed shooting. That's all flighted. Oh, dude, that's so it's fun. pretty. Oh, it's great. You know, you get a lot of people. You know, Henry goes to a lot of them, and then you get a yeah. lot of the, you know, Blake Drome and Sean Ells of those, and that whole Washington crew that shoots great. There, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of quality people that go to that for sure <clears throat> but i don't get to go to a lot of them usually in the beginning because they start them in like november and we're still hunting mm, yeah but i can usually it's not you know i always go to the two here and i try to go to bend once and eugene once and then the finals is usually what i try to do yeah we started doing that the last couple years uh here in Cali and we've done this last year was really cool. You know, we had uh, like, they were kind of all interconnected and they weren't, they weren't connected like yours are with one big shoot up at the end, but each shop, you know, we all, all the same people go to them, you know, so we do Pacifica um, out in the Bay. Uh, we host one here in Fresno at impact. Um, do one up at Wilderness uh, in Sacramento. And, dude, it's a blast. You know, oh, you, yeah, go you get down. to see a lot of those people and <clears throat> that you don't see a ton. And you can see them almost every weekend. Yeah. And, and, and do that. And then you, you got people that are going to throw down serious scores. So it's, you're not just going to walk in and steal somebody's lunch money. It's like. Yep. But yeah, exactly. Oh that, no, yeah, man. We've got we're shooting against freaking Wendell out here and oh, yeah. Seneca and uh just dude, we got we got killers on those indoor games. <laughs> yeah, and that indoor stuff is not like I've it doesn't treat me that well. It's like I've yet to figure out how to 
not shoot nines. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm kind of there with you, man. I I think I got it down in practice, and then it's that's that's what I love about these uh, all these warm up tournaments, like leading up to Vegas, because it's kind of like our own little outlaw for indoor season. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about this stuff. It, it gives you the real environment, and if ner- if you're battling nerves, you're gonna get them there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you shoot well, and the next thing you know, which I haven't done yet, some of those guys, you know, you go shoot 299 or 300, you're going to have to beat Henry to get mm-hmm. your money. And so if you put yourself in that situation, you're going to be able to fight through some nerves and that are probably pretty realistic to some of the big shoots. Yeah. And, I yeah, that's why I, I always – thought that I did very good out outdoor season. And I'd say the last five years, you know, I was like my score in Reading increased every year. And I felt like that was attributed to, you know, the outlaw series getting more popular and, and feeling a little more pressure and making that more of a, a big shoot scenario. Oh yeah. It sure, made me way more comfortable in Redding, but I never Redding's had that. not for hard, but you put right. it on. It's Redding. You make it hard. Exactly. It, I always the first couple targets of there. It seems like la- this year I really did not do very well the first day. That nerve for some reason you put all these expectations on yourself to that you're going to do something. Yeah, and it's hard to do. Yeah, it, God, it gets so tough. And, like, indoor seasons, it just gets to me every year. And I I felt like I was almost to the point of breaking past it last year because last year was the first year in practice. I was shooting very consistent 300s. But, dude, I got to Vegas. I, I, I'll, like, I've had nightmares about – my first day in Vegas where I went into the practice butts down in the arena um, and shot a 326X or 27X in practice and walked through the practice area into the arena to shoot the pro line. And I made it like three rounds before I dropped my first fat nine. <laughs> yeah. It's just ah, it just all settles in so different, man. I watch, I I watch guys around me, legs are shaking, and it's like, dude, what is the deal with this indoor shit, man? It's brutal. Yes. And certain really people is. figure it out and just pound indoors. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like that's their. You know, that's their groove. That's the kind of shooting they're doing all the time. They're shooting at at, at a yellow center. Always. Yeah. I think that obviously has a lot to do with it. But then that makes me think, too, on that same note, wouldn't you think, like, one of us outlaw or some of us outlaw guys who do all of these shoots and all these 3D shoots would just dominate Redding? You would think, huh? Right? And we've yet to do it. I think uh, uh, 
Wendell's been very close. Wendell's shot has shot some really killer scores in Reading, and uh, Brandon Williamson. Uh, well, Brandon won the team event this year in Reading, right? Yeah, that was awesome. It's badass. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to get him to do a podcast with me. He's been giving me the cold shoulder for a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's been hunting. They We had our coastal archery open up, so. Yeah, I, it's uh, prime, probably prime hunting time for the California crew. Yeah, yeah, it really is, man. It, it's all kicking off. And what's funny is I'm, I'm a... It just depends. If I'm still stuck working out of town, um, I'm going to try. If I'm out of town, I'm not going to get much local stuff done where I grew up hunting, you know. But um, if I get back home, I'll try to do the weekend warrior thing as much as I can back by home. But I'm, I'm going yeah. up. Uh, I'm going up near you at the end of September. So chase That'll my elk. Good. Yeah, there man, that's go. that's my like yours. That's my addiction now, man. I'm I'm so infatuated with these freaking elk. I just yeah, I just need one. <laughs> yeah, oh, I I I think I want to get into that a little bit more. Where some of those people, it's like just live and breathe elk. I mean, it, yeah. I know how fun it can be, and the you know being able to call and communicate with them is pretty amazing we went to a seminar here the other day at the shop and mm-hmm. it's like these people i feel like they could have a conversation with elk they just like they can read yeah. their body language they can they know where they're going and what noise means what and what you should do to respond to that noise and it's fascinating but all that comes with time and experience of being in the field with them right you're absolutely right man it's there's nothing better than just going out there and just trying shit you're gonna fuck up for a while you know you're gonna spook them you're gonna mess up but you start to learn what to do like i i was blown away this year hunting with my buddy chris when we've when when he was like he goes hey man get loud you know just start you don't don't talk but like just start marching through the trees right here and through all this thick shit because he was behind me cow calling for me and the elk weren't moving and they thought we were a cow yeah and dude i never in my life had i been in a situation where i need to be loud like holy crap yeah the only time we ever killed an elk it was me and a buddy of mine, and we had to go through some thick stuff like that. And he's like, just, and he was not a strong caller. Like, he really didn't even bring calls because he knew that it, he just couldn't make elk noises. Oh. And he's like, walking through this, and he's like, just hit that cow call. And as soon as I did, just hear something, and then all of a sudden, there they are. So, yeah, like you're saying, making noise on purpose is almost backwards from growing up right yeah exactly it's you know going out with my dad you know just being taught to be very very quiet and slow and still and yeah it's it's the total opposite (laughs) and then 
on the other side of that, there is certain times when you have to do, you, you have to be quiet and you have to, you know, and it's, it's almost like if you can't see them, but you know, they're there, you have the opportunity to be loud and try and trick them. Yeah. But if you can see them, it's, you better sh- shut the hell up. You better bunker down. You better figure out what you're going to do now. Cause that means they can probably see you way better. Oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of times you don't have a lot of time to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's where it just goes back to that experience, man, just making mistakes and learning how they react to certain situations. That's yeah. crazy. You know, I never, uh, I didn't even ask you, how did you originally get into archery? Cause I always like to ask whoever I have on the podcast, what, what got you started into it? We just kind of got tired of rifle hunting. It's like, really? we, well, it wasn't one of those, you know, trying to make the world harder. It just seemed fun. It's like, yeah. with me and a buddy, well, me and two guys that we'd always hunted together, rifle hunted one year, we we're hunting and like, Hey, next year we should try bow hunting. And so we went down to the local sportsman's warehouse and met a guy and he kind of talked to us things you'd want to do, what you wouldn't want to do. Picked his brain for a while, shot some bows. And then, you know, as the end of the year came and sales came up, he's like, Hey, we got sales going on. So we all bought a bow mm-hmm. and then just started shooting it and like it's kind of fun and then there used to be this little uh range up in butte falls which is like half hour 45 minutes from us and it was i think they had 42 targets and they left them out year round they were always out no matter what it could be snowing outside and you go up there and pay your money and shoot it nice and so we went and did that and this you know like this is kind of fun and we were sh- thought we were shooting decent scores, and then there the people that owned it, like, oh yeah, we're having an official shoot here. You should come, and we'd go, and we'd usually, you know, shoot pretty decent. And then it's like, well, and we should go into the local shops and start shooting and messing around. And then you see all these big fancy target bows. I'm like, man, I think I want one of those. And mm-hmm. then it's a, you know, the rabbit hole once you get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it just kind of started as something different, something that we could try. I mean, around here, rifle hunting is pretty bad. And most you know, most people just drive around and shoot deer out the window, it seems like. There was, you know, not a lot of etiquette in anybody in other people's space. I mean, it just we just kind of got tired of it. Yeah. And we just, all three of us went the same year went down and bought bows almost within probably a month of each other. We all had bows. Okay. And then, yeah, when I think we, the first one we ever did, we went, might've went and did the state, our state indoor is a five spot tournament. And so went there and got to, you know, meet some great people. And and then you kind of, end up in the little archery community which is just full of great people yeah and yeah then like oh you should try this or you know if you if you did this or maybe you should try that and next thing you know it was a full-blown sickness how how long ago did you start 
really start jumping into the target archery? I think we started shooting the outlaw stuff. It's got to be four years ago, I think. Because I shot with Seneca for two years. I shot with Bob last year. And I shot with a different guy the year before that. And that was pretty much the the first time. All of it kind of went that year. We did, I think, three, all three outlaws. We did the Redding warm-up. Uh-huh. Did you go to the Redding warm-up when it had a tsunami years back? No. Oh, yeah. At the, I don't know. At Cabin it, Fever? Yeah, it, it rained. I don't know how much it rained, but it was like... I remember asked Adam because he showed up and like this rained way more than I thought and he just got in his car and left. <laughs> He's like, it's too much rain. I'm I quit. I'm going home. We'll go to Vegas. <laughs> and, that sounds just like Adam, man. Yeah. Nope, bud, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, was, that was back when there was four outlaws. That was oh, the first yeah. that was the first outlaw shoot I ever went to. That's pretty much what I would consider the beginning of the, the serious target side. Yeah, I actually shot with Brandon Williamson and his brother, the, mm-hmm. I believe, the first day. And that was like my first experience. And, yeah, that was just horrible weather. Like, seemed like people were adding, you know, three, four, five yards. It was raining so hard. Oh, they, dude, that that's a that's normal for that range. And I did you ever shoot Redding when it was a two day? No. Like, oh. I think I've only went to Reading four or five times. Okay. So, uh, dude, I can't, I couldn't tell you how many years ago it was now. It was probably like 06, 07, maybe. And I think it was the last year that Reading was a two day shoot. And, I mean, you, you know how, the, like, our outlaw shoots, the, the 42 target days are a little rough especially those last 10 targets of the day. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, you know, picture the Redding shoot, all the backups you have right now. Could you imagine that for 42 targets? Oh, yeah. That Dude, would be, yeah. People were, even when, even if the weather was good, people were getting off of the range at like 6 p.m. Yeah, that would be brutal. Oh man, fifteen minute backups on almost every single target, and then the year it poured rain, man. So many people did not finish that tournament. I was there with my dad and a friend of ours, and we took our motorhome. And I was I was still shooting the youth division at the time. Um, oh, you know, I was shooting freestyle limited. I was shooting with my fingers and a, a full freestyle setup. Uh, and it poured so bad i had no rain gear i had no idea it was even gonna rain at all and and it was a cold ass rain so i froze my ass off and i made it like halfway through the day and finally i was like i'm i gotta go back to the motorhome i'm done and i walked back to the motorhome and i took a hot shower and i changed i was like ah fuck i'm gonna try and finish this shoot and I go back out to finish it. By the time I found our group, they had only shot like five, six targets in that time. So oh, I didn't geez. miss much. 
And I went back out there and finished. And by the time I found him, dude, I fell in the mud again. I was soaking wet again, freezing my ass off. And my hands got so numb that I couldn't even adjust my sight. <laughs> That's crazy. And I was like, uh, and I'm like, I, I just got to finish. I got to finish the shoot. And then I finished and I found out like everybody else in my class dropped out. Nobody even, <laughs> nobody even finished the damn shoot except for me. Damn. But yeah, dude, it can get rough up there, man. It's crazy. I feel like ever since it's been a three day, we've been pretty lucky because we've never had that monsoon type of rain like I saw that one year. Yeah, I've heard stories of rain like that, and then the you know the horror stories of it when being a two day. Yeah. So definitely glad that I think like the last two years that it's definitely been way smooth, like no complaints. Yeah. Like I don't even think we waited. We didn't even have time to eat at Bigfoot this year. It went. No kidding. Yeah, and we shot like. He was probably the good 10th target of the day. It wasn't even like we shot him right out of bed. Yeah. Yeah, and it was. To, props to those guys, too, this year, man. That that range was excellent. Oh, yeah. I was. I mean, as soon as that fire went through there, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. well, that pretty much ruins this. I mean, that that's in the high, you know, in the real world, not that important to miss one shoot when people lost everything. But yeah. that was like one of the first, you know, things you're like, oh, well, that's going to kind of suck. And then just boom, pull a rabbit out of their hat and they're ready to go. And it's amazing. Yeah, it was it was so incredible, man. I, I mean, there was cool to see, too, all of, you know, all the, the GoFundMes and the um, different shops were putting on money shoots and donating all the money back to them. And Oh, yeah, it was great. The definitely the archery community is special that way it is it is for sure man but i don't know it's you know it's like redding and vegas those are the those are for for archery man those are like the big ones you know yeah and it it was definitely heartbreaking to originally see that that range was on fire and but man those guys just busted ass Oh, yeah. I can't imagine how many hours work they had to put in to make it like that. Yeah. Oh, and then and I got to give props, too, to, to Randy Ragland, man. Oh, to get all those targets Dude. remade? Yeah. That, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to make one of those targets, but I can't imagine it's easy to make one, let alone pretty much an entire range. Oh, yeah, to make two or you know some of those you know you think of like some of those little fox scenes and stuff where yeah there's four up there but you pretty much ruin them every day so they're gonna uh-huh. you know eight to twelve foxes for one target and there's 70 targets yeah and, or you got and, big, yeah bigfoot i don't know yeah. that's got to be like a thousand targets at once yeah and yeah he had to remake bigfoot man that's damn it was something else, but yeah, I'm excited. I I bet I bet by next year, because what was it? The it was the top, like the back half of the canyon. You could finally see where where there was still like it was still burnt out back there. Yeah, you know it lost all that shade, but 
too. I bet next year it's just going to be green and beautiful in that whole range. Oh, yeah, it's going to – it'll definitely be amazing. Did you like the, the target changes they did? Because they, they completely changed a good handful of targets. Oh, yeah. Part – you know, yes and no. I'm still never able to 22 those damn bears after Bigfoot, and they're not there anymore. <laughs> so it's good to not drop a point right there, but I kind of yeah. wanted to get those once. Well, I was, uh, I'm thinking you might be the only person that, that wants that target back. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I want it back, but I wanted to get it once. Um, the three-yarder was fun, and yeah, it, it, it was just crazy – you know, some of the best people in the world missing that. You're like, you know, people don't realize how hard it is to shoot that close. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that was one of, of Dom's two points that he yeah, dropped he this missed year. one at one at 101 and one at three. It's yeah. Like, wow. And even, I believe, uh, Schlosser, that was one he missed. One of the three was that one. Oh, Wow. And then him and Rio dropped a team point at three yards, I heard. Holy crap. So, so it's like, both, that thing damn. was stealing people's lunch money at three yards. And that's so funny because we all shoot that. We're so used to shooting usually an angled three-yarder or an angled two-and-a-half and a flat three-yarder at pretty much every outlaw event. Yeah, so like it wasn't crazy for me. Because yeah. I usually set my archer's mark at three yards, so I was confident in it. Mm-hmm. But just knowing it was there is can be sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, and what's funny, too, is uh, Dom hit me up on Facebook. I think it was right before Reading. Yeah, it was right before the shoot because he, uh, he saw that I was hosting a money shoot at the safari. But but he hit me up like on a Wednesday or something. It was after, like the Wednesday after Safari before Reading or, or like the Monday or something. Wanted to know if the shoot happened already. I was thinking, shit, man, if he came and shot that Fresno Safari, dude, he would have had that two-yarder or the three-yarder down. Oh, yeah, he'd have just known it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're getting to the, the one-down territory Yeah, that's yeah. Well, it's like we our state uh, 3D was here a few weeks ago, and they pulled the a little trick like that too. And I think that target it couldn't have been two yards. Like it was the closest target I ever shot in my life. Like Adam Fagan has a 36 inch stabilizer and his little stack of weights, and it almost touched it from the stake. Really? Like yeah. I think our math on it came out to be like one and three quarter yards. And it was a, an unmarked, but rangefinder friendly. I was like, well, I don't have rangefinder does that. I don't even know where to begin. Archer's mark doesn't go to that. It was just a guess, which makes it fun and yeah, crazy. It's like, you want to mess with people? It's, you know, you could throw some short stuff out there and confuse them way more than setting something out at 85 yards and shooting it. Or yeah. even 110. Yeah, and it's so trippy, too, that you're within three yards, 
just stepping forward or backwards one foot changes everything so much. Oh, yeah. It, especially with, you know, a lot of times it seems like when they do that, they put a pretty small dot out there. So where mm-hmm. you stand, where you line up on that stake is going to determine if you can hit it or not. Yeah. God dang. Do you, um, I mean, so you do all our outlaw stuff and Reading and, uh, hopefully Vegas this year. Is there, is there any other kind of circuit in the sport that you want to get into like the ASA stuff or, or travel to some of the big indoor stuff? I've always thought it'd be fun to go to an ASA, but I don't know if I would invest. There's some things I think I would spend money on before I went there. Like Darrington this year is on the, for this coming outdoor is on the hit list. Like I, I want to go to that so bad and it's not that far. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go to field nationals this year, but that just didn't work out. But yeah, field's fun. It, it's definitely yeah. a brutal, brutal game, but it, it, uh, it is fun. Cause I usually shoot quite a bit, so I don't really worry about having to shoot that many arrows, but shooting, 140 quality shots is a different story than just shooting 140 arrows. Right. And then that's very true. Paying attention to what target, like it's a, it's even a whole mental game too. Yeah. On top of the regular mental game, then it's like, you have to keep track of what order you're shooting in. And that's pretty, pretty fun. But yeah, I don't know. I seen that, uh, that bow fest thing pop up the other day and that looked like it could be fun. That was pretty cool. Yeah. What is that? I don't even know. I just seen it pop up. I seen Randy post Raglan post some pictures of targets he was sending there. He built for him. So I kind of looked at it and I'm not even sure what it is, but I noticed that there was, there were some heavy hitters there. Like there was a lot of big boys that went there. And so it looked like it could be a lot of fun. It's crazy how much there's so many tournaments everywhere now, man. Because that, I think, went on the same time as uh, Field Nationals. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of the ASA guys that either, I don't know if they don't like Field or can't are not going to likely compete with some of the guys that normally win Fields, they went to there and it uh, it looked like it was pretty neat. Yeah, see, so many people are getting getting upset now too online about all the all the tournaments that are crossing over with each other. Well, well I figured that you can't make everybody happy, but right. you, there's no possible way with the amount of events out there you're going to have overlap. You're get, there's yeah. no way. There's only so many weekends in a year. How are you going to not have that issue? Yeah, I don't I I don't understand why people want to even have the ability to go to every single tournament. There's a few that like, I've seen that were annoying. It's like there's certain tournaments I don't feel that you you have to avoid. Right. Like you can't schedule stuff during Reading. No. Like that like our actually Oregon's trained to hunt this year was during Reading in Ashland, which is like two hours from Reading. It's like, I think that 
could have been done different. You, I mean, you're not really pulling from the same crowd, but you are alienating a huge chunk of people. Yeah. Like, that looks like it would be fun. Like those people, like now that I've gotten into wanting to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I know I can't compete with those guys, but it would be fun to try. I think you definitely can compete with those guys, man. You never know. And yeah, you never do know. Uh, and especially, uh, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a name of somebody at a train to hunt event that I recognize as somebody who is just a killer shot, you know? Yeah. I, I see no offense to any of them, but I, every time I watch it, when, when, someone pulls up a bow and is shooting at a target, I see a lot of fingers in the air jamming on a trigger. You know? It's like, you might, I don't know how it, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how the point system works or any of that. I know shooting, it has to be important because there's only like 15 targets. And then I know, that if you don't shoot a 10, there, I believe, is some sort of time restraint and an extra physical activity and then go. So you could probably make up some time on people if you could shoot 10s every yeah. time. Yeah. It's probably, you'll probably be surprised and find out it's. But if nothing else, it just looked like it would be fun, even though it's yeah. hard to say. Like, when you're talking about dragging, I don't know what, they drag something pretty heavy. And I know at one point it's like 50 or 60 pounds in a pack. You have to go a certain distance. And I think you have to drag like 100 pounds a certain distance. So it's like, it seems brutal, but it, yeah, for the first time ever, it sounded fun. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> to, to think, well, wait a minute, I could do this. This isn't out of my realm anymore. Yeah. Well, then the Northwest Mountain Challenges are pretty cool. Um, I went to one of those. I went to it a couple times when Hoodoo was used to be in August. And then two or three, I think it was two years ago, they moved it to the first weekend in June, which I'm always going to Nevada City. There's no way I'm missing that. Yeah. And But that one was fun. But they have two other ones, ones in washington and one's in idaho and those are pretty neat courses and it definitely gets your your heart flowing to go do those things they they're a lot of fun yeah i'm gonna have to check one of those out i i've always seen the pictures and they seem so fun man um and then i definitely i i've been interested in a train to hunt for a while too i think you and i were talking about that and uh Nevada City. Yeah. There ah, there's just something something that looks pretty awesome about it, you know? And I I think it kind of it's one of those things too where it it's like uh like when you get into running. Like you've you've done a couple have you done a couple five K races now? Uh we've only done one official, but I've ran the distance a few times. Right. It's like that feeling afterwards, whether it's official or not, like, I think I can do the next step up, you know? Well, yeah, because if you had a, even months ago, like 5K didn't seem, po- you know, even possible, but a 10K, like, 
no, not happening. And then <laughs> my wife's like, oh, yeah, there's one in band, and I'm going to go to it. I'm like, cool. It's like, so we've kind of been doing that deal. And yeah, a year ago, it would have been like, no, never going to happen. But even a few months ago, like, that's six miles and some change. And it's like six and a half miles. There's no possible way I could do that. And now it's like, well, I'm going to try to get to there. I think it's not that far out of reach anymore. It's definitely not, man. I think you're going to surprise yourself. Um, you just, you'll set a pace in the beginning and stick with it and you'll finish that thing before you know it. Yeah, it's just crazy because then you start looking at it. It's like, well, that means you're going to run for pretty much an hour. Just run that way for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's i i did it um uh, which is kind of what got me started on running in the last like four or five months is a, a bet i had going with my buddy chris my hunting partner and uh and we the bet was to run a 10k um and just see who got the best time and we ended up doing it twice and like I got beat by like 15 seconds the first time, <laughs> you know. Oh it, man! And then just smoked the second time. But um, but in that process, I got I started to get that little, that little bit of that bug for running now too. I think for me, I I think what keeps me going is seeing numbers and stats and stuff like that. So I look at my app, and like yesterday. Um, Cause I've just been, I, I'll do a mile, uh, I'll do a mile before my workout, do my workout, then do another mile, something like that usually. Yeah. Or if I'm like Mondays, if I'm well rested, I'll try and run three miles or something. But, um, on my app I'm using, I just hit the hundred mile mark, which, so I put like a hundred miles in and I don't know how it's probably been four months at least, but Dude, it feels good, and that that now I'm like, okay, let's get to 200. Let's, let's oh, see yeah, what that I, was, you know, because I think we have that Nike Run app thing, and yeah, keep, that's what I and there's, yeah, you start looking at it, and you're like, well, well, that's just crazy. What do you mean I ran, you know, 10 miles last week, or the run, you know, whatever the number is, you're just like that, that's crazy. Yeah, it's. It, it it's kind of mind blowing when when you sit back and look at it and you realize what you're doing. Did like this whole process? Have you noticed that difference when you start developing more of the mental toughness through this kind of stuff? Oh yeah, there's been plenty of times where you're like, man, this hurts, or and you just just give it a minute because sometimes it hurts and you can't go. But, like, for the most part, it seems like you have to tell yourself not to quit because you'll you'll just – you can – it's easy to talk yourself out of doing things, I've found. Yes. <laughs> and so even, like, was it last night? I was sitting on the couch and just kind of fading. And it's like, I don't think I did anything the day before. And it's like, I have to go do something. I can't go, you know, two days without doing something because then if something happens and I can't do it tomorrow, then it's like, you know, half a week, you haven't done a damn thing. And it's like, you can just get, force yourself to do it. And then once you're in the process, it it's not too bad. But 
yeah, you can, the mental aspect of it is been mind blowing. Dude, wait till hunting season, man. Wait till you really get out there and start backpacking or going in. Oh yeah, where you normally would turn around, you're like, I'm not turning around. Yep. You're just like, oh no, I can just keep cruising, you know? Yeah. There's a a friend of ours that lives around here and he does the train to hunt stuff. And I've gotten to start talking to him a lot more recently. And he hunts a a pretty secluded area that it's, it's tough to get in. He's like, but the things you see, I mean, if you hunted it hard, there's no reason you wouldn't see some 160 180 inch bucks in there all black tails like just mind-blowing things like pictures that his buddies have killed in there and things they've seen year in and year out it's just stupid and so i got talking to i was talking to him the other day i was like you're gonna take me in there this year right as long as as long as you don't leave me back there i want to (laughs) go And he's like, oh, you're fine. We'll go. And, but that's what, you know, he, he lives his life pretty much around September to elk hunt. And then he's in good enough shape that it's no big deal to go do that stuff in November. Yeah. And so I'm excited to go with somebody like him with the experience and knowledge and been back in there. So that should be pretty fun. Oh, for sure, man. Never would have done it. Like, I actually bought a good pack for the first time in my life. I bought a decent pack, and it's just super fun to set up and load up. And before, it's always been the backpack was just what you left the house and threw in the back of your truck with you. So it wasn't something you needed. What'd you buy? Uh, I got the Kuyu, uh, I think it's the Ion Pro or whatever. And I believe the 1850 or so but it's like you can change the bags out like once you buy the frame and the suspension you can for a little over 100 bucks you can make an 1800 cubic inch pack into a 7000 cubic inch pack you just or anything in between just you know have a bunch of bags but i don't really have anything set up or the equipment to do like serious backpacking where you're multiple days in the woods so we just went with that thing where I just wanted the ability to separate the bag from the frame to put meat between them. That was pretty much my real requirement for getting a okay. new pack. Well, yeah, and you'll find, too, if you decide you want to start getting into it and go, like, four or five days in the beginning, you do that 7,000 cube conversion and... That, that'll get you everything you want. I think um, I'm in my pack with all the, I think with all my attachments, I want to say I'm right around 8,000. So I'm probably in between eight and nine. Jeez. And that's, that's uh, yeah. And, and I, I know I use at least 8,000 of it. Um. And I, I typically usually have one of those extra pockets, like or the uh, an extra five hundred or so, that I just fold up and keep in the bag in case I need it for something else. But, dude, I mean that gets me ten days. Yeah. 
and then you know when you start getting into that kind of stuff that's a whole equipment thing you need anyway so and then they had a sale going on a while back where you know you save 20 percent on a pack like that it's a pretty significant amount of money yeah oh oh, hell yeah man and then i had pretty much had already bought all kuyu stuff before yeah. So I was like, well, it's easy to keep things matched. Now the next investment's gonna be boots. Oh yeah, that's that's my issue too, is I haven't put good money into that stuff yet and I I definitely need to. I just Yeah. If I, just I don't got... get it I don't know if I'll get it done this year, just it's hard. I mean for depending on what you're getting, it's two hundred and fifty to four hundred bucks for a pair of boots. Yeah. Yeah, and I I had a boot. I my boot fell apart last year on the mountain um, when we were elk hunting, and we had to take we we took like a two hour I don't know, probably wasn't two hours, but like an hour and a half drive. Um, which on top of that we were, you know, I I tape I duct taped it all back together and. And I, I had all my, my archery glue with me, too, you know, for veins or whatever else. Oh, yeah. And I, I glued the sole back together and wrapped the shit out of it with duct tape. And uh, we got back and to the point where we could either go back to camp or back to the truck. And I'm like, well, I got to go. I got to go get boots. I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. And we went back, had to take like an hour and a half drive to go find a Walmart so I can just buy some cheap-ass boots and get back after it. Yeah, and then imagine hard on the feet for Walmart boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not stiff, not broken in. If if I actually had to pack something out, oh, I would have fucked my feet up pretty bad. Yeah, I've been eyeballing. There's a few good brands. I know there's a ton of good brands. There's a few good ones that mm. I've narrowed it down to and then it's just actually trying them on and see which ones I like and then pulling the trigger. Yeah. And I, dude, I think you need to, you definitely should start looking into some of the backpack hunts because man, you're going to, you're going to get addicted to that too. Oh yeah. I don't know anybody that's done it and didn't like it. Yeah. It's just the only problem for guys like us is it's what days can you take off? you know, for yeah. hunting season and for archery. And then on top of that, you got, you, you know, we got families to think about too. We got a yeah, new family vacation. We got a. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, it's a fun problem to have to be that dedicated to so many different things, but it's, yeah, you have to keep an eye on it because you can't let one consume the other or steal from the other. You got it. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, what? Uh, so, tell me a little bit about your setup right now. You shooting PSE? Yep. What? Uh, what bow are you shooting right now? Well, the target bow. I I just got that new Super Focus XL, and don't have much time behind it. I was shot the shoot down for the last two years, and I liked it, but the way I had it set up, I I've put myself into fighting a few issues as far as, you know, sidebar weight and mm-hmm. all that torque stuff. 
but I like the bow and this new Super Focus seems pretty awesome. Like I don't, I like I said I haven't even shot even a full round on it, just tinkering here and there. But it definitely feels feels good, and I've I've shot some shots that had no business being a ten that were there. Yeah, and, then, and that's always fun. Uh, and then for hunting, we got the. Uh, the PSC Carbon Air 34 with the Evolve cams on it. How do you like it? I love that bow. That's been probably my favorite hunting bow. Like last year, I hunted with the Evolve 35. Just found mm-hmm. it harder to switch back and forth from a, a big target bow to a super short hunting bow. And so I hunted with that Evolve a few years and I liked it, but when I got back from Wyoming, I told the shop owner, I was like, I got to do something different. The guy's named Scott. I'm like, Scott, mm-hmm. I got to do something different. This bow is so damn heavy now that I, you know, it was fine when it just rode around the back seat of the truck, but when you want to pack that thing for, you know, five or six miles every day or even two or three miles in tough country, it just, yes, you know, weighs like nine pounds and it's like my arm hurt and you're always moving it and you're, put it on this shoulder or around your neck or hold it in this hand, then hold it in this hand. And it just, so he had got a, a pretty good deal. Cause I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the stealth. I just didn't really like the riser. Mm-hmm. And so he got a smoking good deal for us from PSE on, they had a few carbon air 34s left. And so I was like, Oh yeah, just get it. I'll, I'm happy. We'll do it. And then, I was I was very surprised on how well it shot. Like we did, I went on a little shoot, a little fun shoot with a buddy of mine here a couple of weeks ago at uh, our Oregon Department Fish and Game put a little mm-hmm. shoot on. I I don't know why they have targets, but they do, and it's pretty cool. And they set up a little course and pay like ten bucks, and I think they had forty targets and completely unofficial just walk around it's like shoot from the stake but if you don't feel like it as long as it's safe go ahead and shoot and so we were just uh messing around and man that thing just shot amazing yeah i got a i got a carbon stealth on the way (laughs) so the new one is that the brand new one uh I, i believe so yeah I think they did a they changed it a little bit and I heard I've heard pretty good things about it. Yeah, I'm super pumped to try it, man. But and I think my setup right now, I had the tight spot three arrow quiver on it, my with three arrows in it, and they were like four hundred and forty grain arrows. And okay. then of course got the, the carbon craft stabilizer on there with yeah. but just uh I had ten ounces of weight on it just for setting it up I, I don't think i'll hunt with it that heavy uh-huh. but just and it, no sidebar just like an offset bracket and it it weighed like 6.4 pounds just like that full setup sight everything ready like i would hunt with it wow and that was with you know 10 ounces on the front that's great man so i was like was, that's got to be two and a half three pounds lighter you know worst case scenario it might be you know my other bow could have you know been not 
I guess that's probably about what it was. It was probably eight, nine pounds before, but you know, my, you know how it is and you lug around mm-hmm. a bow like that. I mean, percentage wise, it's huge different. Might not sound like a lot to shave two or three pounds off your bow, but you know, pack it for 12 hours a day. It's exactly. pretty awesome. Well, yeah, and that is 100% of the reason why I went carbon this year. Well, then because... I heard it's really nice that your bow's never cold. I heard that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard that too. <laughs> I, I, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, like Idaho, I, I felt my bow got pretty damn cold in Idaho a couple years ago. Um, but, but, oh my God, man, I just like you were saying, just constantly – trying to hold it a different way after, especially after you do your initial pack in and kind of beat yourself up with all your, you know, everything on your back at its heaviest. Um, and, and if you're hunting somewhere where, you know, you know, you don't need to be carrying it at a certain time and you got it strapped to the pack and you're right there, you're adding almost an extra 10 pounds, you know, well, and then where you're adding it on your pack, I'm sure it feels every bit of 10 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Because you're yeah. going to be, you know, on the back tugging, you know, most leverage, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was huge difference just packing it around. Like when we did the shoot the other day, I, mean, I packed it in my left hand. I bet you 90% of the day, just like I was hunting. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was no juggling it back and forth. and I mean, it was, you know, just a, a shootout in a field, basically. So, you know, there's no bow stand. So either setting it down to pull arrows or just holding it and, you know, pulling arrows. So I carried it a pretty significant amount of the time. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like, there was definitely no hate in a bow, like, before when you're packing around a big old long bow. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is going to sound so stupid, but that that was my biggest issue, too. I got long arms. Dude, if I was walking uphill, I I was dragging my cam on the ground when I'd walk. Jeez. And I'm like, and it just, just from getting so tired throughout the day and just kind of trudging along and trying to get it done, I'm like, I can't even, like, I, I can't hold my bow up in the air all damn day. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're no longer carrying your bow. You're just trying not to drop it with your arm straight out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've banged my bow around on plenty of things in the woods doing that. Yeah. Um, so now you mentioned your carbon craft setup you got on there. Um, you know, I, I actually I did a podcast with Adam, but I never actually got feedback from someone on their bars, I think, on this podcast. So what, like, for your target bow, let's say, what what do you like about those bars? Oh, they're just been amazing. Like when I put them on, they're just easily been the lightest, stiffest, quietest ones I've ever shot. And I've shot a bunch of them. And it's definitely not taken away from the other ones. I just like these ones the best. Like certain ones had different qualities, like, but to put, something that light that stiff and no vibration was pretty awesome that's like adam's he wouldn't even take my money until i shot him for a while so (laughs) i want to i want to try this but cool i'll send him to you i'm like what do i owe you because you know i mean nothing until we talk 
and you actually like them. Like, you're not buying a product until you like it. Yeah, that's that's actually a new kind of policy Adam implemented. So for anybody listening who wants to try these bars, Adam does uh, two weeks. He'll, he'll ship them to you. You shoot them for two weeks. If you don't like them, ship them back. If you want them, then he'll give you the price. Send him the yeah. money. And it's like, definitely, like he said, it. you need to shoot him to try it. Like, I've shot yeah. almost... I don't know if I shot any doinkers, but I've pretty much shot most of the big names out there. And right, I, those were by far my favorite. And then Adam's such a solid dude that it's hard to not want to support him. And then the product's amazing to boot. It makes it a no-brainer for me. Yeah, heck yeah, man. It's cool and to it's support. Like, oh, yeah, even my outlaw partner, he was. we were shooting in Klamath just messing around. Uh, and he just happened to notice that my bow didn't wiggle, and, like, he picked his bow up and whacked it, and it, you know, you could just watch his bar dance, and he picked my bow up and hit it, and, like, it was just nothing. He's like, what? He's like, I need some of these bars. <laughs> so, once again, his message Adam, he's like, all right, they'll be in the mail. And then Bob threw him on there, and it's like, oh, done. Greatest thing ever. That's great, man. Yeah, I encourage anybody to try them out, especially because nobody else out there let you, will send you bars for free to try for two weeks. You know? No, yeah. And, anybody else and is going to be full retail, full, you know, price up front. And then if you happen to not like them, they're worthless. Yeah. Like, somebody yeah. to charge. I mean, you can. It's not really that hard to spend. Three to five hundred. I mean, it's probably minimum three hundred bucks for anybody's bars, but I've seen them, you know, well over five hundred for a set of bars. And then yeah. if you don't like them, you're going to be on Facebook trying to get two hundred fifty bucks for them and might not get it. Yeah. So him yeah, doing that is even more the special. The biggest thing is getting to shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do the? Uh, have do you have the tungsten caps on your bar? No, I don't. Oh, man. So, yeah, those the tungsten. Now, I believe, uh, I, I don't know if they're all the same weight or not, or if you can adjust the weight, but uh, um, he's building them with six in, or six ounce tungsten end caps built into them. So the end caps that are like aluminum now or whatever they are, I think they're aluminum, um, he can build you set that are tungsten that are already six ounces right off the bat out, out, out in the front of the bar. Yeah, he told me about them, and that definitely seems pretty awesome. It's like, I haven't heard anybody doing that, but he had actually hooked me up with some just straight-up tungsten weights. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that are pretty cool. On, yeah, he's working on some cool stuff with the weights, too. So... Yeah, there's a lot to check out. But, hey, man, you have gone through a badass journey, man. And I love watching it, and I appreciate you talking with me for a while. Absolutely. Just Thank to you. Definitely keep killing it and keep after it. and Keep us posted, man. Keep posting, you know, post the pictures and 
put up the mile times. I love that shit, man. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. Definitely. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll catch up soon. Hopefully, I'll be seeing you at Vegas, man. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) Right on. All right. Thanks again, Louie. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.